back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our game week three preview. The season is now well and truly underway. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the merry ups to my Luis Rubiales. It's Andy Case. Andy, you are shaking your head, but let's not focus on him. Let's focus on, on, on our Mary. I mean, she definitely made the gif of the World Cup, as far as I'm concerned, at least for an English-speaking audience that have some lip-reading ability. Um, but that aside, commiserations, I guess, to our lionesses didn't quite bring bring it home. Um, bit of an underwhelming performance in the final in the end, but I guess lost to the better team, and sometimes that's tournament football. Very much the typical cliche of tournament football Spain probably were the better team on the day I mean it's not like they created loads either I didn't think but just obviously got their goal and dominated the ball um we we just didn't turn I mean very let's not let should we not go because I think you and I have similar opinions on the ridiculousness of the handball rule particularly at the moment um yeah but uh yeah it's it's unfortunate because uh, England at their best would have you know could could give Spain a game and, and it just wasn't wasn't to be on Sunday. But Mary Earps, like you say, that should that should be the focus. Um, doesn't take much uh, lip reading ability to be able to tell what she was saying. And it's, it's an absolutely great save. Sometimes you like bad penalty, and it wasn't a perfect penalty. It could have been better, but it wasn't a bad one. It was low, and it was and it was you know relatively towards the corner side, not down the middle or anything. Yeah. Good save. I guess, I think for me, what made it a better save was it felt like Earps had almost over-dived for it and she had to readjust kind of in the air because it was pretty much along the floor and she'd taken off a bit. So she had to get down again, kind of mid-air. Um, and yeah, she ended up sort of bringing the ball into her rather than sort of tipping it away, if that makes sense. So yeah, it felt I think, like... She... I feel like whenever a goalkeeper catches a penalty save, that always makes it look better as well. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she's a great social media follower as well, Mary Earp's top bants as well. Oh, so. which, which, in, in, on which platforms? Well, I imagine... Yeah, is this that... the bit where you admit that you're on all of the young people's social medias? I or, mean... Or, or on the young people's social media platforms, I should clarify <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good clarification. I mean, I would say that uh, I am definitely not, but I do, as you know, occasionally frequent TikTok, so that's where I see her, but I imagine... You're not that... a bit old for TikTok? Yes simple simple answer to that <laughs> but there we go question there we go i that i i am a, i mean it's not like i'd make them myself i would argue um you i probably would be too old for mm. being creating content on yeah, i guess uh, in some ways you're never too old but yeah i i it's just it's a medium i don't understand but then for work reasons i'm gonna need to start understanding some of these some of these soon um, which is potentially uh, a scary, but but yeah, no, I have seen some of her some of her uh, TikToks uh, via other platforms, and yeah, she is funny and seems just seems like a good character, a nice person, um, and yeah, you know, I guess uh, the the top of the show and what I said kind of implied, you know, just another form of blatant male chauvinism or you know, sexism, I guess, at the World Cup and. Uh, and yeah, Mary Earp's well, lack let's... of shirt was, I guess, not sexism, but just a weird kind of like decision by Nike that 
that that that's you know began overshadowing things and then obviously even the trophy presentation wasn't allowed to sort of go ahead without any sort of controversy from from a man so yeah it's uh but like a lot of progress but a lot, still lots more to be made that's what i was going to say like well more like a weird decision from night but more importantly i mean frankly sexual assault <laughs> let's not any sex is you know suppose you it could be interpreted as um yep, that, yeah, there, yeah. that there was that there was sexual assault that occurred at the end of the at the end of the game so um i mean I, i'm not 100 percent sh- so it's, you know it's a bit of a dark and deep topic for us to get into and but just yeah i think sexism doesn't doesn't do it justice what what he what he did and and, and this, I've read on on online today that I think that via her, her union that she's um potent that there that potentially there's going to be a, a, a bring a case forward um about it against him. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. yeah I mean I've, I've I've read a few things whereby um the Spanish FA obviously which he's president of is you know, going to stand by him, um but the government are going to get involved and apparently have called for him to resign. So yeah, seems seems like we've not heard the last of that one. Yeah, and 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 even even before this, he was a relatively controversial figure in Spain. Anyway, I think he was always at loggerheads with the um with the president of La, of La Liga in terms of sort of preserving the national team over club football and things like that. So yeah, plenty of uh, controversy wherever wherever he goes. Um, but let's talk about FPL, Andy, which is basically what we're what we're here to do um plenty of football as always to discuss and and yeah after a second game week there's there's all the more data for us to dig into as well some trends may be starting to emerge that we can hopefully dig into as always on our shows we'll start by running down the game week fixtures we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points uh, we've got some new players on the radar as well as some upgrades from players from last week nothing to swim against this week so we're going to try and catch each other in our honey traps and then we'll finish as we always do with captaincy and who the heck is stat let's start then by running down those all important game week three fixtures your deadline is another friday night it's friday the 25th of august at half past six and that's because chelsea hosts luton on friday night football uh, then on saturday we've got a lunchtime kickoff where spurs head to the south coast to play bournemouth and then we've got four three o'clock kickoffs they are a london derby between uh, arsenal and fulham a second london derby between brentford and crystal palace everton hosting wolves in the northwest and man united playing in nottingham forest uh saturday night sees brighton take on west ham and sunday gives us burnley versus villa sheffield united versus man city and newcastle versus liverpool i mean arguably and historically and it was one of the greatest premier league games of all time although i'm never i mean it was a bit bit before my time that like the famous sort of stan collymore winner but yeah it always seems to invo- invoke some memories that one um let's have a quite quick chat about this week's talking points let's start with the first European competition of the season. Uh, we're recording late Wednesday night uh, after Aston Villa have dispatched of Hibernian 5-0 in the first leg of their Europa Conference League playoff. Um, no major headlines here, Andy. You know, Villa ultimately look pretty comfortably through after the first leg, so you'd expect them to rotate ahead of the second. But they did play a very, very strong team tonight. And perhaps it's no surprise then that 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 they um that, that they absolutely battered uh, a team that's not doing all that well in Scotland. Um does maybe give us some pause for thought ahead of investing in Villa assets come come the weekend and ultimately they are going to be playing 
Wednesday or Thursday, Sunday for the foreseeable now. Um, and also, I think we had a we had a quick chat about their bench when we saw the, the lineup today. Not a particularly deep squad until they get some players back from injury. So it's going to be a lot of minutes for the likes of Ollie Watkins, Musa Diaby, and maybe some of the fullbacks that that people might be thinking of uh, getting into their teams. Yeah, well, so we we put this on here now because had that been a bit of a tighter first leg, then they would have been looking to obviously play a strong team in the second leg. Um, now, this is more so an issue post-international break, like you say, with the Thursday-Sunday thing, So, um, which is game week five onwards. Um, so, yeah, th- that'll be... The draw will be interesting as well because that, that in the Conference League, you often get, obviously... Um, you can get further afield teams as well, so it can mean longer flights and whatever, but... Yeah, the the kind of lucky to escape with Edinburgh this time around, really, weren't they? So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, the the lack of um, the lack of depth would will be an issue if that if that is the, still the case when they're when they're properly in their Thursday Sunday routine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll have a quick chat, Andy, about some, I guess, headline injuries uh, and headline transfers as well at the at, at the minute. I mean, I guess. The key ones uh, this week that, that at least we're hearing is, is Jeremy Doku um, heading to Man City, City bolstering their sort of attacking wide players. Uh, also rumours of, of Mateus Nunes of Wolves. And I think I've read Eberichi Eze today uh, going to City as well, or at least being in the mix for, for, for moves there. I mean, Doku feels more like, well, he is a wide player, a dribbler, feels like the closest thing that they're going to get to a Riyad Mahrez replacement. Nunes has played wide, but can play a bit more centrally too. Eze the same. Um, so if they happen, they will be interesting. I think Doku is, well, I think we've had the famous Romano, here we go, haven't we, on on, on Doku. So so that appears to, to definitely be happening. I guess from an FPL point of view, and we'll come on to this a little bit later, but obviously um, fewer midfield assets for City so far this, this year, which in theory would mean less rotation, which means they're moving more nailed on. And that means you can probably invest in them with a bit more faith in your FPL teams and obviously if some of these transfers do come off then it might require managers to think again yeah definitely definitely I mean at the moment you're possibly in the best position you've ever been for City midfielders with KDB injured you're looking at so what have you got Bernardo Foden Grealish Alvarez Kovacic for three position four positions yeah yeah I guess it depends what shape they play. Yeah, yeah, four, three, three. So, yeah, two, two, because Rodri's going to play. So, two in midfield and two wingers. So, yeah, you've got five players and four of them are going to play. So, that's that's probably the best you're ever going to get with Pep City, isn't it? But then, obviously, if they bring in a couple more, that that, and KDB comes back fit, although there seem big question marks about that ever at any point. yeah, then then it, it's just it's just one to be careful of. I think I think as we'll hear uh, later in the show, there there is some chat around particular city assets, and they have looked good in these early game weeks. But just don't, th- you know, the, the transfer window is only two FPL game. The end of the transfer window is only two FPL game weeks away, and just be careful that there may come a point sooner rather than later where actually you might not be able to trust the expected minutes of any city player that you bring in potentially. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And I guess another one to mention um, at, at the moment, obviously we're relatively lucky in FPL terms, having, I think we've had four, two four million pound goalkeeper starters so far this year in, in Matt Turner and, and Alphonse Ariola uh, at West Ham. Um, 
are rumours that Dean Henderson from Man United, who was four and a half million, will be heading to Palace. I think uh, they're the front runners at the minute in in, in that race, Andy. Obviously, if he, that means he doesn't end up at Forest, and that might nail Matt Turner a little bit more, but also make the the Palace um, uh, goalkeeping situation a little bit more sticky. I guess with with Sam Johnson starting the season and starting the season relatively well. Um, so so yeah, one to keep an eye on there. And in terms of injuries, Andy, um, I guess we've had Kylie you know, Chukwemeka um, emerge as a four and a half million pound option. I think at the start of the season, really, with the news of Christopher and Kunku's injury. Um, it does now seem that he's injured. I think it was an MCL injury and he's going to be out for, for you know, if not several weeks, maybe a few months. Um, it's going to leave Chelsea with a bit of a gap at number 10, if that's the system that they continue to employ, although they do have a no shortage of central defensive midfielders. Um, and I wonder if it could mean that they'll keep hold of Conor Gallagher and he maybe gets gets pushed further forward. Um, but I guess the, the main ones from an FPL point of view uh, is, is the injuries to, to Julio and Cizo that he's uh, supposedly picked, picked up in training. And then obviously James Madison leaving um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in a protective boot and on crutches at the weekend. I guess for Inciso, similar to the City transfers out, it's just it, fewer players in the Brighton rotation helps. Um, and he tends to play, I mean, he can really play anywhere across the sort of attacking midfield slots, but has primarily featured as a number 10, um, where we've also seen Jao Pedro this year, who's a pretty popular FPL asset at the minute. Um, and then for James Madison, I mean, if he is out, he, there isn't really a like-for-like replacement for him in the Tottenham team. And you do worry about maybe some of their other attacking assets, namely Richarlison or maybe Dejan Kulisevsky, if uh, if Madison's not around. Yeah, um, on, on Brighton, definitely. There's not many players... That... Although Brighton have got a lot of people, a lot of potentially good players, it seems as though there's a bit more of a number 10 position than maybe in previous years where it might have been a bit more of a 4-3-3. Um, so for, with Enciso being injured, Pedro looks like he could well, I mean, Juan Anote can play there and maybe yeah. it means more minutes for him going forward because he's not had much of a look in so far this season. But they have they were strongly linked earlier in the transfer window with Kudus. I think they, they even had an agreement in place, but it fell apart per reports based on a, a, a release clause. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's, he's now, agreed with West Ham today. I well, think. this is where I was going with it. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that he... So basically now it seems like that is... He's not going to go there, and so again, that 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 he, he he's it's almost at the here we go stage for with West Ham, I think, isn't it? So yeah, they're um for 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 Brighton for Brighton assets, it's one less person in the in in the mix. And um, has Welbeck but, done the number ten job for them before? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's he is out and out forward, I think, as is Evan Ferguson. So. I could I feel see... like I saw Ferguson and, and Welbeck play together at some points last year. So was that maybe just a bit more of a two up front with them sort of interchanging who drops deep rather than a number 10? So just I, I don't have the time anymore to <laughs> read as much. I still read and listen to a lot about football, right? as you know. I don't, you know, in my teens or 20s i probably would be have had a low because i know that there is stuff out there there's a lot of i've seen a few kind of links to articles about in-depth analysis on because brighton are a particularly interesting case for people who are interested in tactics stuff right and their development mm. through potter and then now on to deserby and uh essentially at points i've read 
that that it, it can be seen as a kind of a bit of an old school four four two. Yeah. Right. Um, and I can't remember which team we were talking about the other day, but I think I've mentioned to you before that I've seen some teams, including in recent years, the Leicester title winning team set up in a bog standard 4-4-2. But the two strikers, where you've got two strikers who are willing to work back, it creates a box of, you essentially have six midfielders in your defensive shape and you have a box of four in the middle, which is like really, really solid and your two wide players. So you kind of, usually in a lot of formations you're either having compact central solidity and um forgoing the protection out wide or you're having a like more spread out formation where you have you're a bit less compact in the middle but you're a bit more secure across the whole pitch so that that formation is pop that 442 enables kind of both but you need forwards who are who are gonna like make it work basically mm. and also still offer you a threat and and strikers particularly number nines can be criticized if they're not you know fully up there and worrying too much about their defensive duties so yeah there, there, there's a bit of a tangent but um i, like I guess it. i guess i guess it's to say that it's possible that if if that's so i i could be saying uh, when you only read bits it's dangerous sometimes and just not giving an opinion at all right but i think vaguely that's what i've seen in some places so i guess it would be possible that ferguson welbeck could be a, a two in that sense up top yeah, but either way, still ultimately, I guess for Inciso, I just want one more out of the rotation, which which yeah could help, but could particularly help. I think Jao Pedro, which I think is the is the interesting point. Um, anything on Spurs, Andy? Anything on the on the Madison thing for you to comment on? Yeah, well, I mean, it would make me. We've been a bit starting to wobble a bit on Richarlison anyway with his performances, and if Madison's not going to play, I think there's even more of a worry um, for his productivity potentially. Um, so, yeah, um, it it basically just makes me concerned about Spurs attacking assets in general. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And then a final word, Andy, on uh, on bench boost and and potentially using that chip this game week. Um, I guess this has kind of come from me, although I have seen it floated a little bit in the FPL community. And I think that's basically just looking at looking at your team. And if you if you think you've got fifteen starters, they've all got relatively good fixtures. Um, it seems to be just one of those weeks where fixtures look okay and it kind of makes me think bench boosting is is worthwhile now we're not majorly keen on the bench boost chip in the fpl lounge i'm a bit more keen on it than than andy is but but maybe andy it's it's worth then you having a bit of a platform to discuss when it is best to use it and why therefore this game week might not be the best might not be the worst shout for for, for using this this chip it's tricky to say in general isn't it like uh, what you're looking to get out of the bench boost is it, i mean in th- the, the general theory ticks a lot of the boxes of what you would say particularly about your team i know this week chris right like if you feel like you you've got players on your bench you're you're, you're having a struggle about who to start on on two or three fronts not just with one player yeah, yeah, yeah. then that's like saying that you you're feeling feeling very confident that all of them could do a job all of them are probably going to start and so what that that is kind of what the bench boost chip was originally invented for obviously over the years you can try and exploit it by taking advantage of double game weeks and um other things but like you need obviously you need 
it's only about the fixtures that your bench plays. So assuming you start double game weekers in your team, you need more than 11 of your team to be on a double game week for that to impact your bench, right? Yeah, um, I guess I guess unless you've, if you've benched a good FPL asset for a poorer one that's on a double, then I guess you can get away with it a little bit. But yeah, it's kind of a bit of a toss-up. Yeah, I guess if there's a situation point. where like, you know, you've got a Liverpool defender and they're playing City away and you choose to bench that Liverpool defender over over someone else who like uh, Udoji's got a double or yeah. something, then fine, yeah. Um, so yeah, that the the, the gem the, the generally yeah, like I say, it's difficult to nail down a, a particular because it's not even like with some chips, double game weeks are obvious things to target or fixture swings. Um, but with the bench boost, it is a bit more of an opportunistic one, I suppose. It is a bit less about fixture swings. I suppose the only way, uh, the only other thing it does to affect other game weeks or your strategy more generally is obviously for a lot of points in the season, you probably you're often aiming to have as much money in your first eleven as possible. Yeah. Um, if you're going to bench boost, obviously you're probably wanting like as many decent players throughout, including on your bench as as possible, which may not mean having as good a starting 11 it just so happens for a lot of people i think because of the spread of pricing this season um and the way the fixtures have turned out yeah i guess uh and you're in that boat chris it's it's looking like an appealing week for some isn't it yeah i think so i guess the other thing is that some people some fpl managers quite like wild carding into a bench boost um which does make some sense i guess set yourself up for a good bench boost um and I guess I would be uh, you know, ruling myself out of that. But I think in in general, like it's quite rare over the course of a season, I think, to have 15 starters with no flags. And it's kind of come up for me this week. And I think it's therefore coming up for a fair few managers. And therefore, they're kind of thinking, oh, well, maybe this is as good a chance as I'll get. It feels a little bit like you're going a bit early using it in game week three. But there might not be a better opportunity. I guess also, you know, Andy mentioned doubles, but we think in general, touch words, that, that you know, without a monarch passing away or a global pandemic, we'll have fewer big double game weeks this season. I guess the weather could put pay to that. Um, but, you, you know, that knowing what we know today, it's likely that there will not be as many as there were last year. So, um so yeah, that's kind of what is leading me to it. I'm not sure if I'm gonna do it, and uh, maybe we can get a, get another Twitter poll out to see if see if the the cognizante can poke me into it. But but yeah, I think um, you know if, you, if 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 you're looking at your team with you know 15 starters and no flags, and you hadn't thought about it, then I think my advice would be think about it. Not saying do it, but definitely give it give it some thought. Um, and yeah, it does feel a bit bold and brave, but uh, there we are. I think. Well, we... well I, would, I would just add, it's not just. I mean, all that you, you said is true. Fifteen starters, not all, none of them having flags. That is rare. But also, as well, I think a particular thing for, for you, and I guess for many people, because you know a lot of the picks are similar across the various managers. Um, it fixtures. Isn't yeah. It? It, it, yeah, it's yeah. looking at the, the the fixtures that are coming up for a lot of the well-owned assets all look good this week so that again makes you go is my bench ever going to have a better um game week on paper than than this one i'm not sure 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So all worth thinking about, all worth putting into the mix. Uh, let's move on, Andy, and let's move on to to the radar. Um, and yeah, the centre of the radar for us this week is one that we did have to second guess a few times, but I don't think that there are many opportunities um, or that there are many reasons really for us to shy away from this. We're putting Brian and Buemo and Jan Wisser in the centre of our radar. And I think one of the reasons why we were a bit sceptical or a bit scared almost was, I guess, almost the reputation of these players and their club. And I think you know, in, in, in Wisser, we have a guy who is essentially a backup striker um, for a team that was promoted a couple of years ago. But we've also got, in theory at the minute, the two players with the best non-penalty XG in the game. And yes, it's a small sample size, but we don't think that this is worth ignoring. And I think also it's a small sample size for this season, but looking at the underlying numbers and the actual FPL returns from what these two produce when Tony isn't playing is hard to ignore. Um, and then you add in their price point, Andy, in their fixtures, you know, it, it ticked all of our usual centre of the road, our boxes. So in the end, we've gone with it. But there is still this kind of nigging, niggling doubt in in our minds that's just like I I don't I don't know how comfortable I feel about this. But at the same time, I love it a bit. I know you very much do love it. I mean, it, it's no surprise to people who listen to our uh, FPL Lounge long, long Weekend and, and probably previous shows just generally that Chris is a big Vissa fan. Um, you, you were you were very close, I know, to putting him in your in your team, but you just went for Mbwemo for the pens reason in the end. But so I, I just I think the bottom line is it's just for some reason because it's Brentford. Uh, I mean, it's not. The, I don't think either of us are like disrespectful enough to not view Brentford as a good team but I don't know whether it's just something in the back of our mind subconsciously that we don't often I suppose probably have players on the set of the radar that aren't like big six premium FPL assets yeah Uh, but the, 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 the facts are here Brentford are always a pretty creative team um they have been very creative in the first couple of games they've got good fixture run coming up both Mbwemo and Visser have had plenty of non-penalty XG um, to their name so far. At like They don't have any other strikers in the squad, so everything is kind of focused towards them. Um, and yeah, Visser, actually, when you look at his points per minute in previous seasons, are actually pretty good. I think he got something like 13 attacking returns in about 11 or 1,200 minutes last season if I, I mean that's completely off the top of my head but it was something like that I think so yeah um, 50 1600 minutes and uh 11 attacking returns but oh, yeah so 111 points off off that is pretty good going really I mean yeah I've, I've, I've pumped up his stats too much there but like essentially I think if we were looking at it as if you doubled his minutes towards being a full 90 most of the time it's not perfect because a lot of the minutes he'll be coming on for are obviously late in the game but even yeah. if you didn't fully even if you only increased his points by like 50 percent and he ended up on 160 170 as a six million forward that's a very very good return so yeah i think we're we're sort of taking that as a slightly bigger sample size as well right and um when although 
although it is only two games, the the, the underlying numbers for the two of them, um, they are they are the top two for non-penalty expected goals in in the whole game over these first two game weeks. When we know Brentford are a reliably consistent team creating xG, then um, yeah, I suppose we should probably also outline what those fixtures are. So um, yeah, that they this comes into it as well. Like we say, the next three of the next four for Brentford are at home. And they are those three home games are against Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, and Everton. In in between that, they have an away game at Newcastle. Uh, but but still, like it's it's a fantastic run. And then after that, their fifth their ne- fifth next game is Nottingham Forest. So, I mean, the, the, it's it's not just a short term pick basically. If, you, if for either of these as well, now a lot of people probably have at least one in their team at the moment. A, a fair number do probably at least. I'm not sure we're advocating the double up here, though, are we necessarily? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I I would. I think um, if I could afford it, basically, is kind of what it comes down to. And for me, at the start of the season, I, I was very torn between Embuemo and Jao Pedro versus um, Matoma and and and, and Vissa. Um, and I plumped for Embuemo and Jao Pedro because of penalties. But I think I think if I know now what if yeah if if I knew then what I know now I would maybe have gone for the gone gone the other way around um just because this is expected minutes over Jal Pedro's I think it's going to be less infuriating now we have just said about Julio and Cesar's injury and how things might change for 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 Jal Pedro and obviously both of those teams do have Europe to contend with um no no Brentford don't do they no 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 no, sorry so obviously Brighton you know there will be plenty of rotation for them but but yeah, I think I don't think we would advocate for both. I don't think I would have ever have gone for the Brentford double up or the Brighton double up in in sort of that conundrum um, for me. Um, it would be tempting for, for me now, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get there in terms of in terms of the cash, um, at least without downgrading a few a few other spots. Um, but yeah, individually, I like them both, and I think that you need to have at this stage some Brentford cover in your team. Um, and and yeah, I guess if you can afford both and are feeling brave enough, then the fixtures are there and the underlying numbers are there. So why not? But I don't think we would put them on the radar as a as a, as a sort of double up pick. Um, but yeah, I think I think at least one of these is, is 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 you know there's a lot going for them both, and and having one in your team I think is is a really smart move at the minute. Um, picking between them, Andy feels difficult um because i guess they have very similar non-penalty underlying numbers um but mbemo is on penalties but he doesn't look as sure a finisher for me um there's something about him and maybe it's just what we've seen from him that just makes me think he isn't the greatest finisher in in the world but but yeah penalties when you're getting five points a goal um makes a big difference doesn't it especially when yeah. you've already got two this year. I mean, I guess that's not sustainable ultimately, but yeah, we'll um, we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I mean, the on a small scale, and it is different, but it's some similarities to a, a, an old Salah versus Mane debate. Um, obviously, mm, yeah. obviously, they both got the same amount of points for goals, but in objectively in and of himself Visser is like if you need a forward and he's only 6.1 or 6 or whatever he is at the moment like it, objectively just on his own it's a it, for his value for his price it's 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 a it's a great pick right um 
So should that put you off him that, that that he has a teammate who gets an extra point for a goal, who also plays up front with him, who's getting the same underlying numbers and who also takes penalties? I'm sitting here going, I'm still not totally unhappy about the fact that the one I've got is Mbwemo over Visser, yeah. but I'm also looking at my forward line going, it needs strengthening. And is there a better option than Visser at the moment? I, I mean, I'm not, I would agree with you that on the I, I don't know either of their stats like pre Premier League, but I would agree with you that at least on the eye it looks like this is a little bit more of a natural kind of finisher target man. He's more of the direct Tony replacement yeah, in, this, in the system. So he's almost like Tony without penalties, isn't he? In some respects. Yeah, I haven't watched enough of either. I don't think to be able to know like whether that's doing either or one of them a disjustice an injustice <laughs> i wonder if tony might think he's he's a level above visa but yeah, yeah. i mean he probably is but yeah it's um i think ultimately what we're saying is they're both good options and if you need a forward slot like filling i i think i'd lean Mbwemo over visa still if i if this was the start of the season and we're having to choose again i know what you're saying about the fact it frees up a slot for a brighton mid or like yeah, matoma yeah. or whatever but and that will still be a, th- a thing in in people's team there may well be people going into this game week with two free transfers whether i would say going like umbuemo to matoma just so that you can have Visser as your brentford cover i don't not sure that's necessarily a wise move but they are both in and of themselves if if you don't try and compare them to each other like objectively each of them fill a good slot in your squad yeah i think so i mean i guess on that specific example you know had if i hadn't my time again i don't think i'd have taken the richardson risk at the start of the season that would have made you know, and Buemo, uh, would have made Embuemo and Matoma fit into my team quite nicely. Um, but I still would have been having that decision over Vissa versus Jal Pedro, I guess. And yeah, I'm not sure which way I would have ended up leaning there um, when it wasn't put in as a double up with the other one. So yeah, um, but yeah, both are great options at the minute. Uh, moving outwards onto the mid range, Andy, we've got another another pair of teammates both a midfielder and a forward who again I don't think we'd advocate for the double up but ultimately these two are creative players uh, playing for the best team in the league uh, in Phil Foden and Julian Alvarez. Alvarez was on the mid-range last week and we thought about maybe downgrading him Andy but I think when it comes down to it he still deserves to remain on the mid-range because you know similar to to Johan, Johan Vista Six and a half million or 6.6 million. He's a hell of a great price for a forward that plays for a team like Man City. Um, But his underlying attacking numbers aren't brilliant. They're definitely not in the same league as the Brentford duo at the minute. Um, But what we do see from these two players is a lot of good things on the eye. We know that they're capable of moments of magic out of very nothing, uh, out of very little. They're likely to overperform their underlying numbers, even when their underlying numbers aren't as good. Um, but they also play for a team that creates a lot of chances and has had one pretty difficult matchup so far this season, um, which I guess when you take into account small sample sizes, that does need to be thought about. So given that City have Sheffield United coming up this game week, um, you'd expect them to be creating lots of chances and Phil Foden and Julian Alvarez are both going to be prime um, prime creators and potentially prime takers of those chances too. Yeah, it's exactly that. It, it, it is that, I mean, their underlying numbers are not um, maybe as much as a normal mid-range person here or, or certainly not in Buemo and Visser, but yeah, 
the that we we've seen them both go off in that city attack at previous points in previous seasons. They're both exceptionally talented. Um, Alvarez is a little bit more striker like than Foden, even though he's like um, he hasn't maybe been on the ball or had as many touches in dangerous areas this season as Foden has. So I guess that's what keeps him up there on the mid range as well. But like Phil Foden. Um, by all accounts, was um, looking very, very tasty against Liverpool, um, Newcastle, despite City not creating loads. I mean, he did create seven chances in that game. He's created nine in the league so far this season. Um, he's looking, he's getting on the ball in, in more central areas. And it, there was an interesting like post-match interview with him talking about uh, how the fact that obviously under Pep, he hasn't, and with KDB in the team, he hasn't often had those chances. And I think the interviewer asked him like if that's been like a struggle and whether he's like looking forward to the fact he might get some more opportunities. And he kind of was quite like honest in the fact of like, yeah, it has been hard. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting that when you look at his heat map, he has had more touches in those central areas. And and um the the fact that there's no big chances or not a huge amount of XA or XG, it 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 it, it almost it is that potential and that electric ability that we've seen from him in the past that is getting him into our mid range a bit more here. I, I suppose as you said, fixtures too, right? Sheffield United and then Fulham. Any city attacking asset in those two games could could go berserk, and you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think as yeah, the the, the fixtures really appeal. Um, you know those teams have uh well at least Fulham have one of the, some of the worst underlying defensive numbers in 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 the league. Um, and Sheffield United obviously newly promoted team. So so yeah, I think it's uh they're they're prime for prime for a bit of a bit of a walloping uh, when City come to town. Um and and yeah, I kind of fully fully expect it really. So um yeah, and with the lack of Lack of uh, midfield rotation at the minute. Um, you would kind of feel like they're going to be pretty nailed. Both have played the full 90 so far this season in both of their games. So, so yeah, it's as good as it gets really for, for, for City attacking assets at the minute. And those two are, are the two that I think we'd put our stock into. Um, let's move outwards again, Andy, to the fringe of the radar. And a bit of a drop here for Ben Chilwell. Um, Chelsea don't have the worst underlying defensive numbers in the league. In fact, they're seventh best for non-penalty expected goals against. Um, and Chilwell's attacking threat is still there. But Chelsea don't look right at the back at the minute. They might not be shipping loads and loads of chances, particularly non-penalty expected goals considered. Obviously, they, uh, Moises Caicedo had a debut to forget for Chelsea. Um, but Chilwell was also hooked off after 60 minutes uh, against West Ham. It was to change to change shape, um, but it quite clearly just means that him getting the captain's armband while Reese James is out injured doesn't really mean that he's going to be immune to being substituted. Um, and yeah, you know, Chilwell, we can't rely on him for attacking returns. Yes, okay, he might be one of the best defenders in the game for potential attacking returns, but you really want a bit more of a clean sheet uh, sort of assurance, I guess, from Chelsea so far, and they've had none and not looked on the eye particularly great at the back, even if the underlying defensive numbers aren't horrendous. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I think he stays on the fringe, though, because, uh, you know, we're not completely, certainly not convinced about as much about Chelsea's defensive stability, but um, they've obviously signed some defensive midfielders. It could well improve, um, but it, it's just that how far forward he gets when he is on the pitch, isn't it? And he, um, with 
Chukwemeka getting injured and, and there's some chat that Mudrick might not be available, that often means that Chilwell gets even further forward. Um, yeah, and I think he's had chances to score in both games so far, frankly. Um, yeah. And he got an assist, obviously, in the first one. So he's still, with, with, the, with the fixture around Chelsea have got coming up, and that's like just to go through that until between now and the second international breaks so were six game stretch Luton at home Forest at home Bournemouth away Villa at home Fulham away Burnley away I mean that's a fantastic run Pretty in NHL terms yeah so um yeah he stays on there uh, let's talk about one of his teammates Andy who's been upgraded from kind of our anyone else uh, part of the radar last week in, in Nick Jackson um Good underlying numbers, fifth in the game for non-penalty expected goals. Uh, a great run, as you've just mentioned, particularly those those next two being Luton and Forest at home. Um, something about him so far that I think he looks great on the eye, but he kind of falls into that trap for me, which is forwards that look great on the eye because they run around a lot and they can contribute a lot to the team and, and have a nice touches, but aren't the best finishers. Um, yeah, I do worry if he's going to fall into that a little bit. And Chelsea aren't creating enough for him to sort of get over that hump, I don't think. You know, he's having some okay opportunities and they're not quite coming off for him. I guess I haven't seen enough of him over a longer period of time to, to think, to know for certain whether that will eventually turn into goals or whether he'll end up being a player that struggles in front of goal. Um I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, I think, at the minute, given that fixture run. But there is still a bit of tentativeness. Um, but yeah, I think he's worthy of of, of being upgraded. Um, most because you know the fixture run has definitely got a bit better. Chelsea's first two were significantly more difficult than perhaps some of the other ones that they've got coming up. But equally, I'm seeing enough from him about getting in good positions in the eye to know that it wasn't just a flash in the pan against Liverpool. That's it. He's getting on the end of good chances. And we just need a little bit more confidence that he's going to take them. Um, so he's like, yeah, that he, he he starts, he plays through the middle, he's getting on the end of chances. Chelsea are creating chances, maybe not as many as you'd want them to, but they are still creating them. Like he, for him to be fifth in the game for on penalty XG, they must be creating some stuff, right? So uh, yeah, that's why he's on the fringe. Uh, Eddie and Ketia, Andy also remains on the fringe. Um, he had two good opportunities against uh, against Crystal Palace. Uh, wasn't able to put them away. I think he did end up with an FPL assist because I think he got brought down for, for Odegaard's penalty. Um, but yeah, I think if, given his price, still five. I think he's five point six now. I think he's had a rise, but um, yeah, still very good, very good value in the in the forward position. Um, and yeah, it doesn't appear as though Gabriel Jesus is going to be back until after the international break. So um, for now. Um, a good option if you need someone a bit cheaper than Johan Visser and cheaper than Julian Alvarez. Yeah, plays for a good team, plays through the middle, a bit like we said about Nick Jackson, really, although although Arsenal haven't created as much as Chelsea, in fairness, they've been a little bit underwhelming on the XG front um, at the start of this season. So, uh, yeah, one, we're sort of, obviously, Jesus will come back at some point as well, but maybe not really soon. So, uh, yeah, and Ketia on the fringe too. Absolutely. Uh, anyone else worth a mention, Andy? I know that we obviously we mentioned Moussa Diaby last week. I think he's probably come off the fringe, but is a player that we're still keeping a bit of an eye on. Um, didn't get an attacking return against Everton and came off after 60-odd minutes, but the match was won by then. And I guess he was being saved for, 
for the Hibernian game tonight. No returns tonight for him either, had it been an FPL game. But I guess he's still ultimately a sort of midfielder that's playing in a very advanced way. And we just need to see a little bit more of him before he probably reappears back on the radar. Yeah, he, another reason why he's come off is just because of the fixture run for Villa as well. Like last game week, they had a couple of decent ones back to back, but now they've obviously played one of those. They've, only, they've got Burnley this week, but then they've got Liverpool, which arguably for attacking players is still not is still not bad. But they've got Chelsea coming up. They've got Brighton coming up as well within the next six game weeks. So I'm not saying it's mega difficult, but it's also not like mega straightforward. And, and, and obviously post international break, those Chelsea Brighton fixtures, they'll be in between Europa conference league games so yeah they're just extra complications and his underlying numbers haven't been great so we kind of want to see it a bit more and I think a final mention Andy to uh to a guy that we had uh in our FPL lounge long weekend I think he I think he was mentioned um so I guess it was always his destiny to end up on our radar oh dear You've, you've been waiting to to say that. Um, yeah, Udoji from from Tottenham. I think he, uh, what I like about him that I saw, I, again, I don't think he's necessarily shown up loads in the underlying numbers, or at least not in terms of assists and goals, but that perhaps other types of things like positions and stuff it might do. But I just loved the positions he was taking up. He was getting so far forward, but not just out wide. I mean, he's a wing back, a fullback who was getting far forward centrally and the touch is obviously he's inverting, but you don't often see like the trends and stuff don't then end up in in and around the box when they invert. But he does. He, he did against United at least anyway. Maybe some of that is the ridiculous amount of space that United are leaving in the center of the of the pitch. But still, like it's it's interesting that he's yeah getting so far forward and and yeah, it's seemingly being involved in stuff. So definitely uh, one I've got my eye on. Apparently, this is the feature of the Postecoglou system. Um, he kind of wants his fullbacks to underlap the wingers, which might mean bad things for Son and Kulisevsky and then good things for, for 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 our boy Destiny and whoever starts at right back for Tottenham, whether that's because obviously we've had a start for Royale who scored from a central position as well, although it was a low XG opportunity um, and, and Pedro Porro as well. I think he had, did he hit the woodwork against United Porro? Yeah, I might, he had, might. Yeah, I think he did. So, so yeah, we're get you know Tottenham's fullbacks are getting opportunities, um, and but Destiny Doggy does seem to be the one that's most now starts at the minute. Um, whereas yeah, obviously we'll start a piece for Porro and, and Royale. So, so yeah, and at four and a half million, I think he's cheaper than them both as well. So definitely plenty of appeal. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we return, we will be trying to catch each other in our honey traps. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So Andy caught, caught in the honey trap, uh, the segment coming back where we each lay out a proposition and the other person has to see if they're going to take the other one up on it. Uh, I will let you go first, see what you've got for me this uh, this this week, first honey trap of the season. So uh, show me the honey, baby. <laughs> okay. Lots of very concerning phrases from, I mean, I know podcast isn't obviously an audio format, but like 
you don't have to see the faces that I see when he says these phrases, and it's it is slightly disturbing. I'm I'm worried for my sleep. I'm very uh, I'm evening. very met I'm very method. You got yeah. You know, I'm really getting into character. Yeah, yeah, and um, with the the beard and the hair that you currently have, it's a, it's a slightly disturbing character. Yeah, the beard the beard is longer than it needs to be. I think I'm gonna have to take a bit of a take take some take some shears to that at some point. Um, I wanted I wanted a, a full haircut and beard trim before my birthday. Left it too late to book in, haven't I? With my with my boy Joe, so um, so yeah, I'm in a bit of, in a bit of bother now. I've uh, I've clicked the old uh, notify me if there are any cancellations button, but yeah, bit of a risk. Thankfully, don't give a monkey's about my birthday. I'm not doing anything, so that's important. One one of many of Chris's grumpy old man features. Uh, not that this uh, p- person in his glass house over here is going to throw too many stones, but uh, certainly one of one of Chris's uh, is 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 being grumpy about his birthday. Yeah, and, and don't need it. Don't need it. Um, but caught in the honey trap. Yeah. Um, and obviously the point here, right, for people who haven't heard a segment before, is like if I offered something that really is definitely not going to happen then then there's no incentive for Chris to take it up right so I've got to try and offer something that gives me a chance of winning and gives him a chance of winning that that's yeah. the sweet spot we're aiming for here when we do this so um I believe that all of the following fixtures will go overs in this game week so for again for for in in normal non-betting speak I suppose yeah. uh the the, the the normal line for for or the for, for at which the number total number of goals in a football match is measured is, is 2.5 so i.e will there be two or fewer goals or more than two goals basically is the usual uh way that you can have a a, a bet on 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 how many goals there'll be in a football match so i think there will be three or more goals in all of the following fixtures arsenal versus fulham brighton versus west ham chelsea versus luton and sheffield united versus man city I think all four of those will go over. Go overs. I mean, it's it's uh, it's difficult to it's difficult to argue against any of them individually. So, but obviously, it's the you know the the multiple aspects of this um, makes makes it appealing, I guess. I mean, if I was putting a bet on that, I'd feel confident that it was going to win. Oh, Not right. Well, it was going to win. Here we go then. No, no, no. no. Everyone, no let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Your kids' college funds because of Chris Hopkins on this fourfold. Let me rephrase. I'd feel, I'd, I'd feel confident that it had a good, good chance of winning. Um, well, if you'd because, like to know, yeah, because like, I did look it up. You can, like, all, like, ultimately, all of those matches are going to be, I would think, individually odds on for it to go overs i would think i mean maybe not but yeah no they've all got to be above evens to go overs so below evens yeah sorry well, yes. yeah depending yes. on how you yeah yes. describe, yeah yeah so yeah but then as you say it's the multiple so it's chelsea luton arsenal fulham sheffield united city and brighton west ham yeah, all it takes is obviously any one of those games to have fewer than three goals, and yeah, and you win, and you and you win. So the the, the odds would suggest there's about a seventy five percent chance of you winning this if you take it. 
Uh, okay. There's about a twenty-five percent chance of all four of them going over. If yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm go- I, 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 I will take it. I will take it. But yeah, I don't, I don't love it. But I've got, I've got, to, I've got to side with the, with the probabilities. Okay. Uh, do you, is is there any sense on any of you know for the purposes of this FPL podcast? Uh, there any sense in any of them? Yeah. Help you help you feel more confident about taking that. Sorry, what would make me feel more confident in taking it? No, no. no. Uh, what is there anything? Which of those fixtures makes you feel like happier about the fact that you are taking it? Like, what 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 oh, would you think? Chelsea Luton actually is 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 one. Um, I my sneaky suspicion is that Luton aren't going to be terrible this year. Um. Still fully expect them to go down, but I think they will pull off some surprise results. And obviously Chelsea are kind of flattered to deceive in front of goal so far this season. And that's then, it. Look, if that game's two nil, which you could yeah, conceivably yeah. see, then Luton haven't been awful. Chelsea haven't been great, but there's been less than three goals. So. And then Brighton. I mean, obviously Arsenal haven't been that creative in front of goal, but Fulham have been terrible at the back. So that I feel if, if that feels prime for overs for me, if I'm honest. Um, Brighton West Ham, I could absolutely see being. 2-0. I think if West Ham score then and Brighton games are generally quite open so I feel like overs is 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 fairly likely but but yeah um, Sheffield United City I mean if that doesn't go overs I would be very surprised I'm sure among the four that's the shortest one to go overs um, but yeah uh, yeah Chelsea Luton I can see finishing 2-0 Friday night football could be a bit a bit weird um, if Chelsea don't score early, you could see the bridge getting a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit hostile, maybe. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think as you say, as, as, as a four-piece, gonna have to, gonna have to take it. So. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess from an FPL point of view, and the purpose of doing this segment as well, it's just as I suppose if if Chris and I are both feeling like there's potentially goals in those games, then that then that bodes well for uh, attacking assets in in all of those fixtures, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so mine is uh, is similar, to be fair. Not quite. Um, actually, has less of a chance mathematically than than yours. So I'm a little bit concerned now, if I'm honest. But but mine is um, none of the newly promoted teams get a, get a point this weekend, um, and that comes out at about a uh, or about thirty. Three percent chance of that happening, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's better chance then of that. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Better than yours. Yeah. Yeah. You gave me about twenty-five percent, so mine's about thirty-three, according to the bear markets. Yeah. Okay. Well. So obviously Chelsea are home to Luton. So um, Chelsea, essentially, it's it's Chelsea to beat Luton. Uh, where Villa, else to beat, Villa to beat Burnley away and City to beat Sheffield United away. Yeah, well, you'd say City and Chelsea, imagine, are very, very short for wins there, right? So a lot of that is riding on the Villa-Burnley game. It is. Um, Burnley at home helps them as well. They've had a week off. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Villa obviously have played in midweek, played most of their starters. I mean, I could absolutely see Burnley getting a point there at home. That is mm. by no means nailed on for an Aston Villa win. 
Um, so you're saying none, no of the, new, none of the newly promoted teams will get a single point this weekend. Um, essentially, it's a, it's a City, Villa, Chelsea travel. Yes, yes. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it uh, because I have you know the odds would suggest I've got a decent chance, but also because I feel like there's a even if it was just that one Burnley game. I feel there's a pretty reasonable chance, uh, given Villa's week, and I mean, obviously it's been a comfortable game for them, and they're still a good team. Um, but 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 Burnley at home and generally generally have been all right in the in the Championship at least. So I, I wouldn't, you know, we've not seen enough of them to really know whether they're going to stand up to it in the Premier League. But yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that, that they didn't play last week because we've only got 90 minutes worth of data against Man City on them, and that's not all that indicative of anything is it really no exactly yeah yeah um i mean would i completely put it i do i feel 100 percent confident in chelsea winning no so i think there's a small small chance there as well yeah obviously i don't yeah <laughs> none of us are expecting sheffield united to be helping me in that bet so no. yeah i will also take you exciting exciting stuff uh okay let's move on to Captaincy, Andy, and this could be, uh, for the reasons that we've kind of already discussed, the easiest captaincy conversation we have this season. And I'm sure there are going to be very many, uh, very, very easy ones. Um, Erling Haaland has Sheffield United away. Um, he's 90% owned. Uh, I mean, we might have to rethink this segment, to be honest, because... I, you know, I, I get, we, we had a conversation about it last week. We both opted for Haaland last week. Um, sorry, we both opted for Salah last week, which, you know, there was a, a, a minif- minimal benefit of, of doing so. Um, but Haaland is going to be perma-captain if he's fit for, what, 80% of the games this year? 90% of the games this year? It, 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 it comes to a point where differential captain is so such an almost foolish move. So, yeah, this segment is basically for those of you that don't own him, in which case probably go back and listen to all of our episodes because, you know, there's maybe one or two things that you can learn. It's got it's got to be Harland, right? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. That, uh, when we started doing this show, it was definitely a much more meaningful conversation week in, week out. Um, I suppose there's still some, it is ultimately still a weekly proposition and there's some value in thinking about other options because you've got to put your vice captain somewhere as well, right? And if in some world, for whatever reason, Haaland doesn't play, um, that that's still some useful thinking. But for the amount of time that we end up spending on it versus how much you'd actually end up using your vice captain, yeah, it does does <laughs> make us maybe need to have a rethink. But look, um, I, 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 I mean... We can we can do like you said we can do all the all the talking here, but, but we want. But I think we're both just going to have it on Haaland, and not even just from an expected ownership point of view. I mean that is a big issue here this week. You could get absolutely stung big time if if you don't captain him. Um, but also just because like you know objectively it doesn't matter what anyone else does. If you pick the player that scores the most points, that's the best move for your team, right? And he's got a huge chance in this fixture of being one of the highest, if not the highest scorers in, in, in the game week. So, yeah, um, he's an elite striker playing against a team who haven't looked great. What can you say? 
Yeah, his points are so consistent and explosive. Like he can, um, yeah, he can score three, can't he? Ultimately, um, he's he's five to two to score two or more in this game. Like that's outrageously short. Yeah, that's so. Bonkers. Yeah, I mean, five to two to score two or more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, it's, it's, yeah, crazy, crazy numbers. Um, but yeah, he is he is a a, a different level of player ultimately. So, so yeah, captaincy for him. I mean, let's talk about some others, Andy. In terms of what we don't hate, if you did want to be differential, or if you are you know thinking about where to place your vice. I mean, I guess ultimately City are playing on the Sunday. We're going to hear from Pep on the Friday. Um, you know, they they, they might even. We might even hear from Pep before City have trained on Friday, possibly. So, who knows what could happen? Um, so, yeah, let's go through some other assets that we don't hate. I guess it's, we might as well just chalk off or strike through uh, other City assets against Sheffield United. I think the two that we've got on the radar would be pretty good secondary options if you're not going to captain Erling Haaland this week. Um, Foden and Alvarez could easily outscore Haaland in this game um, but you'd think that Haaland is slightly more of, or significantly more of a sure thing um, I like Ben Chilwell against Luton I think you know we've both ended up with Luton uh, in our um, in our uh, caught in the honey traps but you expect there to be goals at least three in that game and I expect Chelsea to win so um, you know winning to nil could definitely happen and, and Chilwell can obviously get forward as you say He's still on our radar for a reason, um, so he feels like a a pretty reasonable pick pick there. But but you know Arsenal have a decent fixture as well. Obviously Brentford are on the centre of our radar. There's quite a few decent options here this week, and it almost feels a shame that Haaland just trumps them all so wildly out of the water. Yeah, I mean I suppose if uh, if we find out that um, if we find out that Sheffield United Man City is like getting called off for like you know flooded or something later in the week then maybe we need to do an emergency captaincy podcast because there could be a potentially interesting conversation between a few of those like yeah Arsenal at home to Fulham as you said Brentford assets although Palace have been decent defensively but but Brentford assets obviously in particular Buemo and, and Vissa right at, um, at home to Palace um, yeah don't hate the Chilwell shout yeah I mean as we said with the I guess the bench boost conversation there's quite a few players with decent fixtures this game week isn't there so um depending on the makeup of your team you've probably got quite a, a, a you've probably got more than one a good attacking option who has a good fixture yeah absolutely um one that I do hate that I feel like we should probably mention Andy is is and I think I'm, I assume you're going to hate this as well Rashford and Bruno against Nottingham Forest. Just not seen anything out of either of these that makes me think I would even put my vice captain's armband on them. Um, Bruno's got good underlying numbers, um, both in terms of XG and XA, but concerns me that how bad United look. And I think you kind of said it. They look they're getting overrun in midfield. Forest obviously play a relatively compact system and can hit teams in transition. Um, feels like a bit of a bogey fixture potentially for for, for United this. I, I don't like it at all. And therefore, yeah, I would be avoiding these two for my vice captaincy this week, I think. Yeah, I mean, Nottingham Forest have the second best XGC in the league over the first two games. Only Cities is better, which is incredible, really. Um, the 
so okay United have been very creative albeit they haven't been putting the chances away but but Forest have been fairly solid and went away to Arsenal and actually won the XG battle in the in the opening game of the season so um I, I don't you'd, you'd think Bruno would have been a better finisher with the chances he's had I'm not convinced Rashford through the middle is is great for his finishing so if he continues through the middle I won't see I can't see an improvement there necessarily and just yeah obviously um I mean so he's in the first half of games United have created chances so it's not to say there isn't a potential for them to get good returns this week there is but I think when there are so many other options, like why, why kind of gamble, why risk it? Yeah, there's there's red flags, as I mentioned. United's perform performances, or, or I guess being overrun in midfield, and Forest being good defensively, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Forest uh, always better at the back when Willy Bolly plays, and I think that's just rule for life. Um, always remember that. Let's leave it there, Andy. Let's finish as we always do then with a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? Each week, Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe and uh, the other person has to guess who it is. They get five clues and if they guess it after the first clue, they get five points. If they guess it after the second clue, they get four points and so on and so forth. And each time they hear a new clue, they get two minutes to stick or twist on their previous guess. So we don't reveal the answer to the end. So you can play along wherever you are listening to the FPL Lounge podcast. Uh, I pulled a five-pointer five out of my backside last week. Uh, Andy gave me Erling Haaland and managed to guess it early, being one of the rare occasions that we can ever really give Erling Haaland as, a, as, a, as an option in who the heck is that, because he's usually so obvious. Um, but yeah, I managed to get it pretty early. So currently, I'm leading 5-3. And I'd like to know, Andy, when the last time I was leading this game. I think we're looking at... Uh, yeah, basically almost a whole calendar year. Yeah, and possibly even more than that. You may not have been leading at any point last season. I'm not 100% sure. No, me um, neither. So, so yeah. could be a long yeah, time. Yeah, could, could, could be a long time. Yeah. Well, let's enjoy, enjoy it while, whilst it lasts. Yeah. Say, let's enjoy it while it lasts. But without further ado, Andy, uh, let's crack on with your first clue. Uh, it is this player's sixth season in FPL, and they've scored over 100 points in each of their previous five. Who the heck is stat? Well, I don't know, obviously. Um, sixth makes me think Rashford for some reason. Um, maybe that, that sounds about the right number for him, although I could probably work it out because his first was 15-16. I know that because I was in Australia uh, and I was working with Chris Hopkins actually at the time. So... 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21. Uh, uh, too many. So it's like Rashford's like eight or something. Um, who else? Sixth season, always got over 100 points. So kind of been fairly like consistent. Um, is there a Brighton player? Lewis Dunk probably would be in that mix round about six seasons probably got over 100 points every season was that it sixth season and over 100 points that was it yeah yeah um okay we we keep moving um i should start at the top not at man united or brighton um chelsea i guess it's a number chill well maybe in that boat 
sixth season ish for Chilwell sounds about right. Uh, I have 100 points, injuries and stuff, maybe not. Oh, God, God, there's a whole. Let, okay, let's just say Lewis Dunk for now, which, okay. is to, which is very random. Would he be 5% owned? I'm not sure he would, but we'll just go with him for now. No problem. Uh, clue number two then. Uh, last season was just the second time he'd managed, uh, managed a double figure goal return, but has yet to score this season. Who the heck is Stat? Last year was just the first. Second. So second time to get a double figure goal return. Okay, so someone who gets in the goals a bit mm, makes me think Philly Philly Foden because he's been up and down a bit and I feel like we might have even had a similar clue for Phil Foden last season about his goal tally. Don't know why that's stuck in my head. So that's a possibility. Uh, I feel like he might actually even have creeped over more than six seasons now as well, but sixth season, over 100 points. I guess there might be some where injuries made him not quite get over 100, particularly in his first one. It's obviously not Lewis Dunk, so I need to move on to someone else. Um, Foden's up there for now. Second would he, yeah, I guess he, it seems feasible that he he did go under the radar with goals last season, so I guess it's possible he got te- to 10. Um, who else is there at all? I mean, two double-digit goal seasons in five is, is, is all right. Like, I suppose it depends on your position, but... 30 seconds. That's not bad. I'm I'm very tired and my brain can't work quick enough to think of another option. So let's just go to Foden. Okay, <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, clue number three, then. This player is one of 18 players whose starting price is currently 0.1 million more expensive than it was at the start of the season. Who the heck is Stat? Current price is 0.1 more than starting price. Correct. That's what he said. Well, he has had a rise. He has had a rise, Phil Foden. So he is 7.6. But so that doesn't. Yeah, I've got to just keep thinking of other people potentially um, in case it's not him. But I obviously don't really have anything to move off him. Um, Who else could be in their sixth season with a double digit goal tally? Someone like Asaka. Six feels like too many for him. Yeah. Who else could there be? Attacking players. <laughs> Not sure where else I can go. Villa, no. I wouldn't have thought so. It could be a different city asset, I suppose. Who, Bernardo, no. Grealish, probably not. Don't think he'll have got double-digit goals last year. Liverpool player, yeah, could be, couldn't it? Uh, but then sixth season and getting into double-digit goals last year, I can't even think of another option, unless it's like a really bad striker. 
30 um, seconds. I guess I've just got to stick with Foden. I can't, I can't even think of another option. I worry about the number of seasons. I think he might be similar to Rashford, but I can't remember the exact when he started. So, But I've got to stick with him. 10 seconds, you, but you yeah. stick in. All yeah. right. Phil Foden, then clue number four. Uh, this player, oh, sorry, this is according to the official site. Okay, so this player has the second highest XA in the game so far this season and has registered two assists. No player has produced more. Who the heck is Stat? Well, yeah, that's that's not Foden. Um, there's not many players on two assists. I think one of them is James Madison. Would he have been double-digit goals last year? He had a decent year, didn't he? So I suppose it's feasible. Would he would he be on his sixth season? How many years he had at Leicester? Did he have one with the scum in the Premier League? Was he in the Premier League when he played with them? I can't remember. But I guess that's a feasible option. And his price may have gone up. I can't remember for sure, but I think I've seen that his price has gone up. Um, so that's not, and I'm trying to think of anyone else who would have had two assists so far. I think Estupinian, but who won't have been in the league two seasons, haven't really got an idea about XA, which is annoying because we did sort of vaguely talk about and look about that when we was putting the show together. Um, so I can't remember on that front, but there's not many people with two assists and I'm fairly sure Madison's got two assists. So I think he got them both in the first game, did he? So, um, uh, 30 seconds. Highest XA in the game. It can second, only really second be... Second highest XA. Second highest XA. It can only really be Esther Pinyan that would potentially be above him. I guess Bruno has had a lot of it, but he's not... Um, there's not been goals for him to have assisted. 10 seconds. So, yeah, I'm going to move to Foden. Um from Foden to Madison. Lovely. James Madison then. And uh, finally then, clue number five. This player moved clubs this summer transfer window. Who the heck is that? Well, yeah, of course, that doesn't give me any reason to move elsewhere either. But um, am I? I'm no more confident necessarily. I suppose I am in that. It, I'm more confident in that, that that works for him. Who else could have moved? That it could be, I suppose. Um, well, a similar vein, Harvey Barnes moved, but don't know if he'd have had six years. Um, and has had an assist. In fact, I think possibly has even had two assists, Harvey Barnes. But um, hmm, that's an annoying spanner in the works. Don't think he'd have had six seasons. Yeah, trying to think. I can't. It's got it. Surely, he's, I'm fairly sure he's had a price rise. Fairly sure he's had two assists. Yeah, I think. I think we're just. I think I'm sticking with Madison. Sticking with sticking with Madison. Yeah. 
two points to you, Mr. Andy Case. It is indeed James Madison. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it is his sixth season. I don't know if he did have one with Norwich. I can't remember myself, um, but, yeah, he's had, uh, he's definitely had five previous seasons, obviously moved to Tottenham. This uh, this one, he has had, what were my other clues? Yeah, so only two times he's got a double-figure di- double goal return. They were last season and the year before, but no goals to him so far this year. Um yeah, he's had a price rise. So I think he's 7.6 million now. Um, there are a handful of players that have had two price rises, and I wanted to include the fact that he is currently 0.1 million more expensive because I think there might be one or two players that have a price have had a price rise and a fall. Um, so I just okay. wanted to, to just clarify that in there. Um, but yeah, he's had a price rise. Uh, yeah, the player that's had more XA than him is Karo Matoma. Oh, right. Uh, and the uh, the other players that have two assists, Estepinian is one uh, that you that, that you got. I think there's Matoma as well. Inciso has got two. Oh, um, yeah. James Ward-Prowse got two in his debut for West Ham. Ollie Watkins has two. Um, but the one that really caught my was surprising for me was Serge Aurier has two. Oh. Not Forest, but there we go. And then yeah, obviously moved. Transfer window, but yeah, two points for you, Andy. So that, uh, yeah, makes us uh, makes us at five all. Well, yeah, obviously five all, but you've got a game in hand. Yeah, so. sure, five all. So yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see where we go. You, you're not going to get the most highest owned player ever to have graced FPL next week, are no. you? So we'll no, see. I won't. We'll see. Maybe you'll give me the second one <laughs> just to <laughs> just to just just to build me up before you knock me down <laughs> later in the year. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll be I'll be keeping my eye out for uh, I don't know who is the second most highest owned player in the game. I'm guessing it's just Pinyan. Um, I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. sixty something, is he? So he is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll take I'll take him next week. That'll be great. Thank you very much. Oh no, Saka sixty six. Oh. shows what we know. Um, good clues there. Anyway, let's leave it there, Andy. Uh, if our Listeners have any uh, have any questions about what to do in game week three, including whether or not they should be bench boosting. How can they get in touch? They can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And yes, do, uh, you know, try and tempt Chris in or out of the bench boost. I would enjoy to see uh, his agony. Yeah, there's going to be some serious. I mean, Friday night, I hope Andy's ready for the. For, for all of the text messages he's going to be receiving. Although, to be fair, I've got plans, so I'm probably going to have to make a decision earlier than that. So, yeah, could be could be interesting. We will see. Uh, do also remember... It's to be rate... early so Friday evening as well, because it, it, even if you do it, because it's 6.30 deadline, isn't it? So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be... I'm going to have to be thinking about it during... Dur- don't tell my employer, but during the working day, I'll be thinking about this. Uh, me and my colleague do actually have a time, usually about three o'clock on a Friday, where we start having to think about our FPL teams. Uh, so it's always a nice nice moment that I look forward to um, but yeah do also remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and let us know how you have found the start of our fourth FPL season our fourth polling season is it fourth? is it fourth? yeah it is fourth. fourth I think oh, yeah wow. we, are getting, we are getting old and great yeah, where yeah, has that time gone? Let us know how much you are enjoying it or not. Uh, All feedback is a gift. Um, We will be back next week with, I believe, Andy, another Friday night deadline, I think. Yes. Yeah, another Friday night football football involving Luton Town as well. 
Um, so yeah, we'll have to be back uh, in the middle of next week with a, another game week four preview. Uh, and then, do we get a week off? I think we get a week off. Then it's we? the international break. Yes, yeah, that's great. Andy gets a Andy gets a break from me. I'm sure it's what he looks forward to more than anything else every year. Uh, but Andy, anyway, until game week four. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Yeah.